Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to Sofa Cinema Club. I'm Colton Smith and as always I'm joined by Jack P. Shepard. Ben Kurtz. Nice. You should be called Ben Willard because that's his name in the film. Yes, it is Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ben Willard. (laughs) I wouldn't mind that name actually. I'll change my name to Ben Willard. (laughs) The Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together to educate each other on films. Now it's all about the films you should have seen but we haven't. Each week we set each other a film and then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated and rated. Now the beauty of our film club is that anybody can join in. All you have to do is watch along with the film at home and then join us every Thursday to find out what we thought of the film. This week's film is Apocalypse Now and it has been chosen by Jack and Ben for me to watch for the first time. But before we get into talking all things Apocalypse Now... As always, how has your week been? What have you been up to? Uh, just I've just been working. I've been in work for a little bit. You've been working, yeah. Coles, what have you been doing? Bit of work, yeah. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think here. I've been working a lot, which is why my week's not been that different, interesting. You know, I, I've just been going to work and coming home, and that's that's pretty much been it. Other than watching uh, the film, which I watched with Coles. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Now, people on the podcast may or may not know, I do like gummy sweets, like a wine gum, or maybe a push-out to a star mix or sports mixture. And I've got a couple of tubs. I've got a couple of tubs for my birthday. (laughs) They're on the top shelf as well, aren't they? Just out of reach. (laughs) Just out of reach, my one shelf. I just noticed that you two were in the flat... Uh, watching the old apocalypse now and you cracked open the the gummies yeah we did did. but as we got halfway through the film and everyone starts to go a bit mad we did on a sugar rush so we had to calm calm down and just hide them the first toilet break i said to jack i was like i'm gonna have to put this stuff away and he was like yeah yeah you are (laughs) (laughs) i'm seeing things we put everything in the tub of tantastics it had kinder in Grapes in, Malams in, oh. everything in the tub. I've tried to unmix it all this morning. Colson said it was like a children's birthday party. <laughs> Did you leave the grapes in? There might be the odd little bit of vine that you might find when you're digging through. <laughs> so that's quite a new. I, I we haven't watched a film together, have we? No. Not for a long time, and obviously you you weren't here, so it was. It, I felt a little bit like I was cheating on you, actually. 
Jack sat in your place on the sofa and... Well, yeah. So hold on, let's position ourselves here. I had the chaise lounge. Chaise lounge? And it was... <laughs> chaise lounge. Sweet, sweets in the middle. <laughs> sweets in the middle, Colson with corner and poof. It was a good setup. Where'd you watch it? Ah, this is this is a new take because it's summer holidays, isn't it? Mm. So summer holidays, obviously, the TV, it's a whole fucking nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. Every, all kids are there switching all types of shit on. So I had to take myself off into a room with... Coulson got these headphones years ago and I got a pair and the mint, they, they, they take out the sound. Mm. So I was laptop in the corner of one of the rooms, headphones on, couldn't hear a thing. Apocalypse Now on a laptop. I know, Jack. I know. I have seen it, to be fair. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen every version. So I've seen the long version, the short version and this version. Mm. Just explain the versions, Ben. So there was a the original version that came out, which wasn't quite Coppola's complete, what he thought was the kind of complete version for him. Then they brought out a director's, uh, which was all the bits he would have wanted. I think it, that came in at three and a half. I definitely saw that at the cinema. Then they've done this Redux version, which is a 4K uh, and sound re. You know, they made the pictures, they've graded it all back. I mean, it looks fantastic. Uh, And that comes in at about three hours. So it's got a couple of scenes in that weren't in the original. You know, the scene with um, Playboy Bunny Girls. Yeah. Yeah. So they put that in, they put the, the, you know, when they go to that house and they have that sort of dinner. The French house. The French house. That wasn't in. You can't get the other version, can you? Because Jack said, oh, it's only only a two and a half hour because we only need to watch this version. And then... It basically, you, you couldn't get it anywhere was the thing that we found. The only one you could watch was Final Cut. I think also you got to... I was going to text you actually and say the last thing you want to do is see that film not in a restored state. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. so beautiful. I mean, look, we'll get into it when we get into the film, but not seeing it in a kind of really nice, bit like face-off, not seeing it yeah. really well done... I know it's a long film, but that's so much part. Oh yeah, of the yeah, film. yeah. I, I was on that. We had to make sure we got a proper like HD copy. Yeah, yeah we yeah. we paid the extra fifty p to have it on Apple instead of Amazon because Amazon's dodgy on our telly, isn't it? Yeah, weird that, isn't it? Oh, uh, one thing that happened to me this week Go on. in Ben's Ben's old section, which I brought Animal back. Encounters. Animal Encounters with Ben Price. <laughs> the Nat, Nat Geo hit show. <laughs> it's, I tell you what, it will run and run. We've only had four reps, but they've been big. Bat Attack, Tick on Balls. Badger. We had a badger, didn't we? We had Underpants Badger. Raccoons. Raccoons. We've had raccoons. Next one, next stop on my tour is Wasps. Ooh, hello. Ooh, pesky, hello. Pesky wasps. So, of course, we haven't been able to have people staying if we all you can't see anyone so i haven't seen anyone for a couple of years <laughs> couple of years <laughs> has that just been your excuse to anyone <laughs> it has actually do you know what it's been fantastic anyway <laughs> anyway one of my oldest mates came and he said oh I, i'm doing a little staycation i'll pass by yours and we'll stay the night and whatever I went, oh yeah yeah okay oh okay <laughs> wear a mask um, came in talking to him whatever they live in London not many bugs in London it's not like Wildlife City where it is at mine no oh, the rats have eaten them all <laughs> yeah they're everyone all the pollutions <laughs> got got rid of them so he says to me I said oh you're in here and he said oh yes he said god it's hot in it yeah he said oh it's nice looking out onto the green and all that I went yeah 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 he said oh 
What's that? What's that noise? I just heard this. It's just by his bedroom. <laughs> I went, oh, uh, just be, yeah, uh, just be the washing machine or something like that. I think well, light, be a light fitting. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, shit. It's either bees or wasps in the fucking roof. Oh, God. It's like, it's like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> we've had it before. We've had the bees before. And then I'm like, oh, okay. I thought, right, there, yeah, don't, don't worry, don't worry. Keep, me, <laughs> keep your window closed. Yeah, don't let the heat in, all that. <laughs> and I go outside and it's like seeing some scene from David Attenborough. Without millions. <laughs> Millions of wasps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh shit! And they're all at them. They're building a nest. They're having a right old time. Come on, no, yeah, everyone in. The restrictions have stopped now. Come on, all you wasps, you can come. So that was my week. There was one thing actually that happened for me. Um, I've gone home at the weekend, and my parents aren't there. And I was like, oh, this is odd. Pa- parents are away. What's going on? So I remember when she was like, oh, yeah, we're away. My mum retired last week. So they're kind of enjoying her first week in retirement. Anyway, Sunday morning, I wake up on the drive at home. <laughs> There's a bloody camper van. <laughs> They've bought a camper van. Oh. So I'm thinking the Sofa Cinema Club World Tour, <laughs> we've got a tour bus now. Have they got a loo? Yeah. Kitchen? Yeah. Two single beds. And a double. Oh, well. Oh, I can see where we're playing that too. <laughs> Sounds perfect. So are they Are they just leaving you? They did this weekend, yeah. And they are this weekend as well, actually, when you think about it. I've already had the phone call to say that they're not here this weekend. Where are they going? They went down to the game fair last week. So near your old stomping grounds, like Birmingham Way, I think. Oh. Midlands. That area. That area. <laughs> that area. In the middle. But they only, they only had hired a camper van. And then they enjoyed it that much. Oh. They've bought one. They've not bought the one they hired because dad wanted an automatic. But very crafty this from my dad. As you know, he's quite crafty in the stuff that he does that will directly affect me. So a manual camper van, my driving license is absolutely fine on. An automatic one. It's not. Mine's invalid. (laughs) So if I want to drive the caravan... The camper van, sorry. I have to go and do a lorry driver to get update my license. What, seven and a half ton? Yeah, because the automatic gearbox makes it heavier. He's smart. He's smart. He is smart. But Ben, I'm gonna outsmart him because I am I'm gonna jump in a wagon and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take my test. I've got to, Anna. <laughs> I'm not gonna have a camper van on the drive that I can't drive. I think it's 150 quid to do this extra test. So I'm going to have to go and do it. You have to do the test in a lorry. What, dropping off the Amazon as you go? (laughs) I know this is a bit weird and I'm teaching you, but keep going. We've got to go to number 14 and drop this off. (laughs) (laughs) If I don't pass the test, Ben, you'll be driving on the world tour. I get sick anyway. Jack Jack can go to the loo in the back. Can you sit in the back when you're being driven? Yeah, I think so. It's full full leather interior. (laughs) (laughs) It's... It's a, it's, a, it's a fancy old job. Shower? Yeah. Right, brilliant. We're on. 
Next stop, Wrexham. Here we go. <laughs> one night, one night only. The Sofa Cinema Club. If you're one of our listeners and you're in Wrexham, get in touch because we'll get you on the guest list straight away. <laughs> we could set up a cinema from outside the RV, couldn't we? Literally, you think Top Gear was good. Imagine us driving around the country in a camper van, doing, just going from theatre to theatre, doing, doing shows. Yeah. Perfect. Showing Stand By Me. Or all too. of the Mamma Mia's. I think Mamma Mia would obviously be sell-out night. You'd have the odd night like Alien where we're do- it's a small crowd. I'll tell you what, we could bring it the tribute in, couldn't we? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> shall, we, um, shall we crack on and talk about all things Apocalypse Now? Yeah. Yep. I think, from what I've heard off Jack, it's completely all down to you, this synopsis, Ben. What? When did I say that? You said it's a film that Ben loves. No, Hang on. We wanted to go big. And Apocalypse Now is a big epic film, and Ben suggested this one. But judging from your reaction, you clearly don't want Ben to do the synopsis. No, you no. Can do it. You could do what? it, Jack. You could do it. Well, I suppose it... I think it's very simple, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the film follows Martin Sheen's character, Captain Willard, and he gets assigned this secret mission, basically, in the Vietnam War, to go and kill, basically... Another comrade, Colonel Hertz. Kurtz. Kurtz, played by Marlon Brando. <laughs> Can I have the higher call, please? It's Kurtz. <laughs> Everyone does that to me. Sick of it. <laughs> and uh, he has to go find him, who's in the uh, in Cambodia. So he has to go up the river through Vietnam to get to where he is, where he's hiding, and kill him, basically. That's the film. Based on a book? Yeah. I didn't know it was Marlon Brando. So I think part of the reason is for this film choice when we talked about the podcast films you sh- you haven't seen but you should really I think you have to see it yeah just so you're in the conversation about yeah. it yeah. you know if yeah. you're talking anything about film it's one of them that you just have to know it's going to come up yeah I think it might have been on the you remember the original scratch off 100 films you've got to see before you die I think it I think it was probably on that yes it definitely was and it, it is a big stable film like when I've told people that I was watching it sort of thing. They've all commented on the fact that it's a massive film. It's in a lot of people's top tens or top fives, you know, of how well it's done. Same director as The Godfather? Yeah, same director as The Godfather. And um, originally George Lucas was assigned to direct the film and uh, Coppola was going to produce the film. And then it sort of didn't happen with casting and budget and things like that. So uh, it got shelved for a bit. And Coppola went on to do The Godfather and Lucas went on to do Star Wars. And then Coppola got the green light to direct the film and actually fell out with George Lucas in the process because George Lucas wanted to direct it and sort of Coppola stole it off him in a way and um, damaged their friendship for a number of years. But uh, yeah, then Coppola went on to direct the film and basically nearly killed him. (laughs) He put his own money in. What to make it? Yeah, he mortgaged his. Vi- he's quite well known for his vineyard, isn't he? Mm. So all the money he'd made from the Godfathers and everything, he put thirty million dollars in. So wow. if it didn't make a profit at all, he lost everything. It's a massive film, by the way. Like when you talk about stuff that's going on, stunts, the size and the scale of things, the amount of extras, it is huge Mm. so like jack said in the synopsis it basically follows the captain getting his his 
guess it's kind of his last mission. It's because it, he does say yeah. it's kind of his final mission, doesn't it? Of, it's a suicide mission, really, effectively. Yeah, isn't it? and the, the mission, like Jack said, is to go and kill this other Captain Colonel who has a crew that has entered into Cambodia out of Vietnam, which he shouldn't have done, and he's no longer following orders. They think he's gone insane, and they believe that he's got his crew with him, and he's almost got like a mini-following. They don't know the scale of it, they just know that he's no longer following orders. They need him taking out, which is kind of a shock, because it has that line, which I I guess must be quite a famous line, because it's sat with me for like the rest of the film. He says, arresting someone for murder in the middle of a war... Is like handing out speeding tickets at NASCAR. Mm. And it's like, so basically what he's doing has no logic behind it, but he just knows that he's been given this mission and he has to do it. And he's like the prime soldier, isn't he? So the mission, he's got to get from A to B. And he's also unstable himself, isn't he? So the opening section of the film is showing him in a hotel room on his own, basically losing it. But he does just want to get back out there, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like that thing of the only thing he's known is being a soldier and he needs a mission. And when the mission stops, he stops. Completely improvised that, Martin Sheen, in that hotel room. The weird dance moves. Yeah. So it was filmed in a US Navy base and after they'd sort of finished filming and everything. And um, Coppola thought he just needed some little extra bits of um, Martin Sheen before he sets off on his mission up the river and Martin Sheen says get the cameras rolling I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do something and at the time he was he's later said in interviews that he was drinking quite a lot and he he wasn't altogether there Um, he had a lot of personal problems and he did all that, you know, when he smashes the mirror, his hand on the which mirror. is real, completely real. He did smash the mirror and that is his blood that he does wipe all over his face. And he does strip down completely bollock naked and just begins to lose himself in the role, really. And to the point where the camera crew were a little bit scared, to say the least. And uh, he eventually... Uh, had some sort of altercation with Coppola during the filming of it as well, and the sort of like almost fighting each other. He wasn't the original choice for the part. They f- started filming for six weeks with Harvey Keitel. Wow! I think there is a bit of footage of him with Robert Duvall on the beach. You know, in there, yeah, doing that. There is a bit of Keitel footage from that, but they got rid of all the other footage. So they filmed for six weeks with Keitel. And why did they not use? Harvey Keitel. He was sacked, wasn't he? I don't know why. Coppola said he didn't feel like he was introverted enough. So I suppose what you're doing is the audience, you're Captain Willard, aren't you? You're seeing, he does the voiceover, you're seeing everything from him. His POV, yeah. His POV, and you're kind of with him, scared. But he's almost got to be quite benign for you as an audience to join into that. And he felt that Keitel was doing a lot more work. And then I suppose you've got Brando at the end against Sheen's character or Brando against Keitel. There's a real big difference between Brando and Sheen, really. Mm. Steve McQueen was the first person he offered it to. Steve McQueen didn't want to go to the jungle. Yeah, I think Pacino didn't... I think he got... I think it got passed around to a few of the big names. Nicholson, Pacino, and they all sort of turned it down because it was filming six... six I think it was meant to be... 12 weeks filming in the Philippines 
And it ended up being like 26 months in the jungle, in all the mud and the shit. And Pacino came out and said, I'm going to reject because I know exactly what it's going to be. You're going to be up in a helicopter. He's talking to Coppola here. You're going to be up in a helicopter. I'm going to be down in a swamp for six months and you're just going to be screaming orders at me and it's not going to be something I'm going to enjoy. It's not something I'm mentally prepared to put myself through. And he said six months, and it it was a lot, lot longer than that. I mean, people did start to go a little bit insane, like they do in the film. I mean, Martin Sheen had a heart attack while filming it. (laughs) He had a heart attack. And they had to stop filming for a bit, and they didn't want to go back to the studio and say, Martin's had a heart attack, because they'd just pull the money, they'd pull everything from the film. So they said, oh, he's got heat stroke. (laughs) And they just lied to the studio. It is off the scales in terms of, like, how mad it is, though, isn't it? Like, as as soon as we're in that boat and we've started the first bit of the journey. So he gets assigned to a boat, doesn't he? Yeah. Who are going to take him up the river, but he can't tell them what the mission is. And, And they're, you know, they're Navy and he's Army. And there's obviously a bit of conflict between them of... I'm the captain of this boat. You might be a captain in the army, but you're not in the navy sort of thing. Like, I'll take you where you need to go. And they also do quite cleverly. He's a career soldier, and they're not. So one lad's a surfer, one lad's 17. Yep. The other lad's a chef. But he's a career soldier, and it's a big difference. Jack's got a good fact about the old 17-year-old, haven't you? Uh, Larry Fishburne, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, Matrix. I found out, Coz, he wasn't 16. He was 14. 14. 14 years old. And what, did he say he was 16 to get the oh, job? Oh yeah, lied about his age. Lied about his age to get the gig. Wow. 14. Imagine being in that film, At Ben. 14. Brando, Sheen, 14 years old. Big part, like he's he's solid part. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, proper part. I mean, and he's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does it really, really well. You see him as a kind of like, they've all... It's all so messed up, the dynamics. And you feel like with the four that are in the Navy, you've got Chef, Johnson, the the captain, and then Fishburne, haven't you? Yeah. And you kind of feel like they have been on that boat for years. Like, they know each other inside out. They know how everything works. And you get that straight away. Like, I think it's even, like, the simple bits where, the scenes where they're, like, brushing their teeth in the milk yeah. can. Like, that kind of shit just works, doesn't it? Yeah. So, anyway... Um, I guess the, the captain's got his plan, hasn't he? He's got all of his classified information of where he needs to go. And he knows that he's going to the top of the river to the border of Cambodia. Now, he can't tell the Navy that any of the boat staff. And they're not, they're not allowed to. You know, it's it's the Vietnam War, not the Cambodian War sort of thing. Like they, they, He's got very cautious and he doesn't want anyone to know what his mission is. So he, they set off sailing, don't they? And... As they're sailing, he kind of says, look, we're going to get some air support at some point to get us through a busy bit. There's two bits where you could enter into that river. Yeah. Both of them are risky. So we're going to need some air support to get into them, to actually get into the delta. But the air support is there early, isn't it? Because they seem to be quite keen for for a fight. Well, he, does, he, he doesn't want a fight, does he? He just wants to go surf. Yeah. That's what's <laughs> mad about it. Robert Duvall's character, who's he's like the lieutenant captain, isn't he? Yeah. And he spots that on this boat there's um, Johnson, Lawrence, Lawrence Johnson, isn't there? Who's sort of like a semi 
pro famous surfer from California and he's into surfing and he's like, right, we're going to go surfing then. So in order to get surfing, he has to get to the beach that's occupied by the Viet Cong. So he has to go and take out the Viet Cong with all the napalm and all the helicopter support before they can surf. He sends his two left and rights out surfing as the fucking napalm's going over the head. <laughs> and then the napalm drops and it knackers the waves. Yeah. And he goes, I can't, I wouldn't be able to surf like that. Great, clever little bit that, isn't it, from the captain and Johnson where they're like, run, run. But when you see in all the explosions, he turns to him, doesn't he? And he says, what do you think? And he goes, oh, it's it, it's incredible. He goes, no, the waves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is, it's mad though, isn't it? Like the beaks are at previously where kind of, he says, I ever need to go to this point or this point. And the way they decide where he's going to go is where's got the best break sort of thing. I think it's showing that certain soldiers, especially the leaders, have become like, he just doesn't duck when he's getting blown up. No. He's just stood there like, I can't be killed. Yeah. Do you think that's probably saying like, because a lot of people, there were a lot of drugs, weren't there, in the Vietnam War? Yeah. Uh, Johnson's character even starts to go on them. And the actor himself has said that he was on LSD, marijuana, and acid while filming the film. What a combo. Yeah, I think also it's showing that some of those guys higher up, the generals, feel omnipotent, almost godlike, taking life, because he saved... It was really weird, wasn't it? There was a moment where a guy's shot and he gives him water, where there's a baby brought to him, like he's a priest. And But then at the same time, he's dropping death cards on people to say, yes. I've killed these people. So he's become, in his own head, God. Yeah. And when he takes the kid, the mum's like, obviously, that that's it. The kid's gone. And he's like, no, no, you, you go with You me. go yeah. as well. It's bizarre, isn't it, sort of thing. So then we're in the boat now. We're all... They've, they've run away, haven't they, from the... They've run away. And it binds them, doesn't it? Yeah. It binds them a bit. They're, they're more of a team now, aren't they? Because they, they've escaped him. It's quite funny. There's a scene where they're, they're, they're on the river and they're, they're hiding and there's a helicopter going above saying, give me back my surfboard, give me back my surfboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, random. All those helicopters, you know where they got them from? They got them from the Philippine army because they were at war while they were filming. So they would give um, the um, production company their helicopters and their pilots, and they would film with them. But then every now and again, they'd be like, we need to nip off for a bit because we're off the war. They'd go and kill people and then come back. And the US military refused to give um, any arms, any guns, for the film because they didn't agree with the mission that it was to go and kill another US uh, soldier. So they said, no, we're not giving you any um, weapons. So they got the weapons from the Philippines. Wow. (laughs) Again, in the madness, they enter the jungle for one of the only times in the film, really, and they have an account with a tiger, don't they? (laughs) I know, Ben's wildlife encounters, you crap yourself. They're going for mangoes, aren't they? Yeah, chef's looking for stuff to cut. Next thing you know, but why don't you just, you would just shoot a tiger, surely, if it's standing in front of you. I I don't know. I think... Panic. I think at that moment, a tiger runs at you. Yeah. I mean, instinct, I don't know. Chef's lost his head at this point as well, Annie. Well, chef is a chef. I suppose that's what they're trying to say is, so many... Lads in that war weren't soldiers. So we're back on the old jungle cruise and we're go- going <laughs> up river. And what what do we encounter next? I suppose they, they sort of get to that bridge, don't they? 
he reaches the the sort of like um there's a guy who's going to give him more information about the mission isn't it he gets the information off this guy and the guy goes great i can go now i can get out of this shit hole he goes and then they're kind of in the last it's a bridge but it's also you feel like like the last depot where you could get there's loads of supplies mm. loads of soldiers like they've got all those new motorbikes haven't they and then they've got oil and all this it's kind of like all a all a mess. There's as much drink as you want. There's as much fags as you want. It's like the Death Star canteen in Star Wars, isn't it? Everyone's just a little bit mad. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a full-on nightclub on the side of the river. And the first thing, like, when, when the boat's pulling up, I said to Jack, I was like, oh, like, because you don't know if it's Viet Cong or if it's... And then when you realised it was the US, and they literally fly in, playboys, and all the lads stay to see these three girls dance on stage and it's it's just mad it's another mental scene in a mental film isn't it sort of thing well it seems like there's 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 no adults around do you know what i mean i have this sense that it's a bit like lord of the flies yeah well, well it's a fir- it's the only girls you see in the film mm, other yeah. than the the french but everybody has just sort that there's sort of like no authority telling anybody what to do no. i mean if you see like deval's character He's like the lieutenant captain, and he's mental. So, you know, what authority do we have? And as soon as you sort of lose that, everyone's just doing their own their own thing, really. So we've got Cher, Donna, and Sophie dancing on the stage, <laughs> and everyone gets a little bit overexcited, don't they? And they decide to just encroach on the stage. And then the kind of MC drops a smoke bomb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's a lot there's a lot of flares and smoke bombs used in this film, isn't there? Like he loved a flare just for effect constantly. I mean the they you know the cinematography's unbelievable. The the start of the film, you know where you see all the helicopters yeah. and how when it starts it's layered with the doors. Up. Yeah. The, that was offcuts from the film. He had no start he had no opening to the film. So we went and looked in the bin and all the stuff they'd offcut. And you know when they're doing the Robert Duvall and he's surfing, they had a camera which basically fell over and filmed all this stuff from the wrong angle. And he said, well, let's have a look at it. And he went, right, I'll use it as the opening. Is that when all the na- all, when all the napalm drops on the palm trees? Yeah, yeah. 12,000 yeah. gallons of petrol. <laughs> they just dropped. And they think they could get ar- get around like... Um, wildlife um, sort of like um, what's the thing you know where like conservationists um, yeah and activists and stuff like uh, you can't do this to the wildlife or animals you know like when the yeah they kill the bloody buffalo at the end yeah because it was filmed in the Philippines and they were at war then all of that you know, law sort of went out the window because it wasn't filmed on US soil. He just dropped all that into yeah. the... I mean, it is an incredible shot. And when you know <laughs> it's not CGI, they've just not. done it. Yeah, they've just done it. You just think, fuck, they've just blown up a forest. Colson was saying, like, the helicopters and that look a bit tinny, look a bit like they're not made of it. And I think, well, it's probably because they're real. Yeah. They're not CGI. It is just a chunk of metal going up in the air and they're in i mean yeah. when that flare when deval the flare goes off in the helicopter he goes yeah yeah put the flare out they're in a helicopter yeah in a real one so i mean he's got to sort of act calm but probably in the back of his head going what the fuck am i doing this is a shit state so we've had the, <laughs> we've had 
the Mamma Mia 2 thing go a bit wrong, haven't yeah, they? So That's yeah. gone a bit bad. Uh, they, after the live show, they get back on the river, don't they? I love this bit, that shot, you know, when it goes on, when they're on the boat and the camera's really low angle and you can sort of see Martin Sheen stood and you see the crashed airplane. Yeah. yeah. The boat goes underneath it and then turns round and shows the plan. I thought that was amazing. I mean, we've said this before, Ben, about these type of films, but every frame is a picture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything is thought, the colours that are all in there. It's just breathtaking. You're sort of going on this journey and seeing yeah. that each bit of the river has its own mad story. Yeah. They can't work out whether they can relax or they're going to get attacked. Mm. Yeah, that kind of relax and attack thing comes more with the power struggle between the two captains because yeah. there's a boat, isn't there, that is approaching yeah. them along the river, yeah. which is clearly just a trade fisherman's like yeah. Vietnamese yeah. Yeah. people on a boat. And he sounds a siren and he, he, he wants to check it out. And the army captain kind of says to the Navy, no, like... Navy's not important here. Like, you getting me to where I need to go. And he's like, no, we're doing our job. You shut up. We're doing it. And kind of see how insane... Because they must have been on this boat now for, what, a week? And No, but they've been on it for nine months or more. They literally have no clue whatsoever of where they're going. No. So they see this boat and they stop it and he says, search it. And there's kind of an argument as to why you're searching it. It's quite obvious that there isn't anything to search. And after they all clear, um, he says, chef, get on the boat and search it. And they're searching, they're searching. And then they see a woman protecting something. And he says, what's what's in that box? And he goes, chef, open the box. And as chef goes to open the box, the girl moves and they just completely start blasting everyone yes. that's on the boat. Trigger happy, aren't they? They're all nervous. Yeah. They're all high on drugs. They're just, and they're scared. They just they shoot blast. Ev- everyone, they shoot this entire boat up and then realise that everybody's dead. And then they go to see what was in what was in the basket that the woman was protecting. And it's just, you know, it's a little golden retriever puppy, isn't it? Sort of thing that mm, mm. Jo- Johnson takes control over. And then, the scene, in this scene, there's a moment really where it kind of the the power struggle gets ended because there's the woman who has been injured on the boat who isn't dead, and the captain says, "Bring bring her on the boat. Let's look after him." And the captain of the boat says, "Bring bring her onto the boat. You know she's been injured. Let's protect her." And Captain Willard comes round and basically stands over the top, shoots her in the face, and says, "I told you not to stop." And it's like, from that moment on, I'm in charge, you listen to me. It's also that moment where you realise he is. He's a soldier and he talks about having killed six people, doesn't he? He's been so close to them when he's killed them, he can feel their breath. Yeah. And you see that moment, they realise and look at him and realise that guy is not like us. So then we approach this like th- this last bridge, don't we? Which is kind of the, the, the captain of the ship says, look, we're, we're not permitted to go any further than this. No one has ever gone any further than this. And Captain Willits kind of says, well, I, that's where I'm going. I'm going further. And that's when he says to him, look, strictly classified, but you are taking me to Cambodia. And they realise that they're going to go into parts of the jungle where people have never been before. And this bridge kind of is so out of control. As they're pulling up to it, you've got US soldiers jumping in basically saying please take me home get me on your boat and take me home because mm. we don't want to be here and 
as he walks through to try and find who's in charge, you realise that no one is in charge and they are losing the war so much at that point. You know, the bridge is getting blown up. There's a complete battle ahead of you and that kind of shows you the the darkness of what they're in and what is ahead, really. You know, there's a line in the film that says that every day they sort of build that bridge and then it just gets de- destroyed every single day. That's actual truth because they were hit by a hurricane while filming and it completely destroyed the whole set. So they stopped rebuilding it because it would always just get hit with this r- hurricane. So what you see in the film is a set that has been destroyed by a hurricane. So they just left it and said, we'll just write it in that it just gets destroyed every night. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is, you know, there is no point of control there, is there? And as soon as they jump back on the boat, he kind of says, look, there's no commanding officer. There's no supplies. We just keep going. So they get on the boat and they keep going. And the captain's been given some more information on his like classified mission. He's found out at this point that there was actually another person who was given his mission a month ago yeah. who they've not heard from. So they're either considering him dead, but they believe that he has joined up with Kurt sort of thing. And he also then has other like presents, doesn't he? Pa- packages from home for all of the crew on the boat. The mixtape. Yeah, the, the, the mixtape um, that he has from his mum. Who was actually his mum? Was it? It was Lawrence Fishburne's mum. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Brilliant. The voice Brilliant. recording. It's actually his own... Oh, wow. Yeah. You realise at that point that Johnson's already virtually insane with this puppy, isn't he? Like, he's taken far too many drugs. Chef just wants to get out of here straight away. And the the captain's never seen this before. You know, he, he he's devastated sort of thing. And it, it's at that point where he says, look, we keep pushing on here. We we keep going and we'll, we'll give him a burial when we can. They, they move on and then we've got the bit with the wooden spears sort of thing where they're throwing bits of wood and they start shooting and it, it takes um, the captain to say, no, they're, you know, they're, they're not, they're just scared sort of thing, let's push through. But because they're shooting, they've caused a scene. The next thing you know, there's been a spear thrown which has gone straight through the back of the Navy captain. Yeah. And then the captain tries to kill Willard. It's really effective because the shot is very clever. It's the both of them. He's lying down. And if you notice, the boat is spinning. So the boat is just spinning because it will just spin if no one's really steering it. While they're still getting shot at, where you can still see the feet. And he goes to check he's still breathing or, or whatever, goes to talk to him. And then he grabs his head and his body tries to pull him onto the spear. Sheen's character pushes him down until he dies and I thought that was a really effective moment that in the end the captain wanted him dead Mm. for what he'd done to them Mm. because I think they would have been not fine but but they might have seen the war out and he knows they're all going to die this is the bit that was a little bit weird and I'm going to be honest with you like this is a long film it's a three hour film and we're at about two and a half to twenty here and I am tired at this point he were flagging. And then when they got to the the, the French bit... Which wasn't in the original. It just... And I have to agree, it's a big contentious bit, Colson. Yeah. It's not... I'm not a fan of it. Do you know what? I am. I think I am. Why are you not a fan of it, then? We're at the very end of the film. It takes you off into this segue of... Them explaining why these French are staying, they're, they're, that plantation's been in their family for years and why they're staying there and what the war's done for them. Mm. 
And then he sort of starts on, they start to eat that food and they start to go on the drugs. And I feel if it had happened earlier in the film, maybe. I don't think it can happen early in the film because I don't actually think it happens. I think it's all in his imagination. If you remember, just before it happens, there's this fog and this smoke that comes in on the boat. Then all of a sudden, you can hear French and they sort of moor up and they get off onto the dock and then out of the fog and the smoke comes these, like a French army. They take them in, there's the food and whatnot. Then there's the bit with the girl and the the bit that the, the French guy basically says... This every single war we enter, we always lose. We've he went. I know you won the Second World War, but we lost. We lost in the Second World War, and we lose every war. And apart from this one, this is the one that we've won. This is why we're not going because this place where we are is ours. Yeah. And then he's got the thing with the girl on the bed, and she's saying, "Stay. You can stay here. You can stay here." Then he has the opium. And then he's back on the boat in the smoke. I'm sort of thinking, does any of that happen? Is that in his head? Is he going further into darkness? And is he going mental and losing his mind? I don't know. I didn't feel it was very tight. I agreed with Cole. No, it's... it's. I'll give you that. It's not. Yeah. I don't think it's a very, very well edited film. No. I mean, it's all over the fucking place. But is not that is not that not the point of the film? And what happens for me is it starts to pull them back. So as we're going up the boat and all those things have happened, we're in the boat, aren't we, now? Yeah. We're all in the boat as a viewer going, my head's gone. Yeah. They're dead. They fired that. They've done this. They've done that. By the time we get to that, the French bit, they're sitting down eating food. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel right. It feels too safe. Yeah. It, I, I mean, I'd almost like them to just be sat there almost shell-shocked. But they sort of join in a bit and it becomes a bit like... A party. Yes, so it doesn't work for me. They go through the fog, they're on the boat, and then the next thing they see, he says, everybody lower your weapons. And there is a kind of barricade of people, isn't there, floating on boards. you know? And I think at this point he realises that they're, they're close. And they're in a kind of temple, aren't they? That they've obviously taken over. There's dead bodies everywhere, and there's just thousands of them. It, you know, it, it looks mental. It looks quite out of this world... And then there's an American voice that just shouts, oh, Americans. He's like, oh, I'm a photographer, I'm a journalist, I've been studying the war. And there's just this just off-the-rails American, like, journalist, isn't there, who's out there. Photojournalist. Yeah, yeah. and he kind of says, you know, the, the captain says to him, look, I'm here to speak to somebody. He says, switch on the siren. <laughs> Yeah, and they scare all go. Him off. Scare him off. <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, this is crazy," and he's crazy, isn't oh, he? Mental. He's improvising it all, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, Hopper. But as soon as he says, "I'm here to speak to somebody," he goes, "No, no, no, you don't. You don't speak to him. You just listen." So he knows he's in the right place. Yeah, it's more than a crew of five army people that he's converted. Sort of thing. He's got yeah. an entire army, and he he knows what's ahead of him. He knows that. All these people clearly worship Kurt and he's got to try and kill him and get out of here alive. And how is he going to do this? So he kind of climbs through the temple, doesn't he, to meet him. And he sees the other person who obviously was given the same mission as him. And there's that moment of, you know, this is suicide mission impossible and I'm almost at the last point. 
And it's kind of the first time you see Hurt as well, isn't it, from a distance. And then they have a conversation. And the next thing you know, you've woken up and the captain's in prison. And it's weird, isn't it, of how he kind of is in prison, out of prison. Like, they, he's, he's playing with him, isn't he? he he's he's going to try and convert him like he's converted everybody else. And it's like he's their new toy, I would suggest, that, you know, he, he's the latest person to come in off the boat. They have the bit where he gives him chef's head. Yeah. Where Kurtz camouflages himself up, doesn't he? So he goes from this godlike figure to everybody else to covering himself in camouflage and chopping his head off. And they keep saying, like, oh, we know he makes mistakes, but... He's, he's such a great man. So it's clear that he is off his head. Well, there's a plan, isn't there? They He leaves Chef in the boat and says, look, yeah. if I don't come back in 10 hours, send this signal, airstrike, napalm the whole thing. And when they were filming it, um, Brando did it for the money. So it's three weeks, I think, which I might know a bit more. It's three weeks at three million. Don't work after five. Don't work weekends. So we did it for the money. And the first four or five days... He got into the trailer and he just talked to Coppola about all types of stuff. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to get out there. For one, Brando turned up £300. <laughs> way bigger than he thought he was going to turn up. He thought he was going to turn up like a soldier and he just turned up big. He, like, I've saw the documentary Heart of Darkness, yeah, which I've is seen, about... I've seen it a long time ago as well. And all you see is Coppola talking to Brando for days, trying to get him to do anything. Just please... Do something. Yeah, he got a, re- a retainer of um, a million pound, Brando, and if he didn't film anything, he would still get that million pound. So he was going to take the job and not do it. That was his plan, to get a million and not do the work. I think he ended up, his fee had to go up to three and a half million to do 15 minutes of footage. And he did it, and he turned up, like Ben says, fat didn't know any of his lines and hadn't read the book. And the whole film is teeing up to this dramatic climax of the film. We've been with Sheen in in the boat. Imagine you get all the way to Brando and he's just been a dick and wouldn't do it. And I think it does work that he doesn't look much like a soldier. Yeah, he's he's not a soldier. It's a complete change, isn't it? Is that not just Brando? Is that not just whatever Brando does is amazing? I didn't know it was Brando until you said at the start of the podcast something, and I just thought it it was literally somebody just playing a character slightly off the head and slightly dazed and confused. I thought the same as you, Jack. I was looking at it going, okay, Ben, Ben, forget it's Brando. Yeah. Forget it's Brando. And just what would you think of a guy like this doing it now? Just forget and I was like, he's he's got some mad magnetism. Oh, yeah, but that's Brando. This Brando, but you'd think, oh shit, we're two we're two hours forty five in the film. You've got fifteen minutes. Yeah. It's all about you, and he just does make it all about him. I'm like, fair play, yeah, fair play. You're mad, and you can see Sheen is mad. Like, he covers himself. They cover him in mud. He, they get rid of all his army fatigues. He becomes them, doesn't he? He becomes one of them. And then he strings uh, Sheen up by the neck and dumps Chef's head in his lap. And then you think, oh, well, Sheen's completely gone now. It, it, you don't quite get how it's going to end. But no, there is a part of Sheen that is that part of him being 
bloody good soldier who keeps to his mission that knows that he's he, he's going to sort this out. And also he does talk about the fact that he feels like Kurt wants, wants it to end. Yeah, yeah. Which I agree because he almost gives him the opportunity to kill him, doesn't he? Yeah. And he wants to die as a soldier. Yeah. He knows the war's going to come to an end and he'll just be in that jungle with a kind of army. He needs to live a, leave a legacy for his son, doesn't he? Yeah. So he kills him. <laughs> so he kills him. At the same time as they're killing the um, the buffalo. Yeah. Which was definitely alive, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I said that last night. They were killing it anyway. And Coppola filmed it. They didn't kill the cow for the film. Oh. The village were killing that cow and he went, can I film it? And then he juxtaposed that against Kurtz being killed. So um, he kills him with a kind of light machete. Yeah. And then comes out and that little girl has obviously told them all, look, he's killed them. And then they bow down to him. He drops his weapon. They drop their guns and they bow down to him like he's the God, don't they? And he escapes with LSD boy. Yeah. You know, and then all I was thinking was, woof, long way back. Long way yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> good luck, good luck going, surviving Oh, no, I remember this bit quick, fast. So let's just take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will rate it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Right. Ratings time. I forgot I've actually been to Vietnam. 
Oh, now you tell us. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do. Say it at the very yeah, end. I know. I've been twice. Have you? Yeah. And it's great, actually, Ben, because once you've been, yeah. you could actually say, I can actually say now, when I was back in Nam. <laughs> Don't you think that's cool? Like a true I can say that. And what yeah. did you think? Oh, yeah, it's stunning. Absolutely stunning. But Saigon, you know, he's in Saigon yeah. at the beginning of the film. It's not called Saigon anymore. So it's the capital of Vietnam. Yeah. It's now called Ho Chi Minh. And it's called Ho Chi Minh after their president. He re- renamed it after himself. That's like London being called Boris. <laughs> Recall Kaz, Coles. <laughs> yeah. Kaz. Where you off? Where you off to Coles? Right. Shepard, do you want to go first? Yes. Uh, Apocalypse Now. I've seen this film about three times now. I think I watched it when I was about 15 for the first time and thought it was great. I was watching Platoon and Deer Hunter and all that at the time and I thought it was a really good war film. And that's all I sort of took from it, that it's a war film. And then you see it a bit later in your 20s and you take something more and you're seeing it a bit older every single time. You do just marvel it. And then when you actually read up about it, about the stuff they went through filming it with Martin Sheen having the heart attack, with the hurricanes. I mean, they filmed it in a country that was at war at the time. So they were surrounded by war while filming a film about war. And beautifully directed it. And the fact that Coppola didn't even see any frame of footage, or they had no um, technology to play it back. He had to send all the footage back to America and he didn't see anything until they'd, they'd sort of finished, till it was done. So he didn't know what he was making. He didn't know anything. He didn't know. So, I mean, it's one of the best war films that I can think of, certainly on the Vietnam War. Um, I'm going to go 9.3. <laughs> it's the point threes I love. I know. I'm going 9.3 because... I don't think it's 9.5, I just, and I don't think it's below 9, so I'm going to go smack bang in the middle, point three. That's no explanation it at is, all. It is, it's a brilliant one. And you can't go 9.25, can you? No, 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 I'm not doing that. Um, for me, it's a different watch. Mm. It's a different experience when I watch this. When I sat down to watch it again, it flows over you, the pictures, the colours, the performances. But it is a film which is... It got its own life because it's all, it feels like a documentary. It feels mm. like they're completely immersed in it. And I remember I've seen it, I have seen it quite, I've seen it a lot actually. I've seen it two or three times at the cinema and at the cinema it just blows you away. Mm. And I don't think they're making films like this anymore. I really don't. I'm not going to go 10 because I do think at times it gets a bit baggy. At yeah. times it gets a bit off. The ending seems a bit like he didn't quite know how to end it. And he's sort of just, we have this big build up. And I think Brando and whatever, and Sheen, their performances are great. But I, I've always felt a bit cheated on the ending. Kills him and then we kind of go, well, he turns into the god and then they kind of leave. I think I'm going to go nine. Mm. I was really lucky, I suppose, that through the 70s and 80s, I got films like this. Yeah, I was thinking that, watching it. I was thinking it, watching it. Just it must have been so great. Yeah, you get film that you go, it's so big, it's overtaking where you're seeing it. 
So you're sat in the cinema and it's so big, it's enveloping you into that world and you're on the boat and you come out. I remember films, it happens a lot less now, but you come out of the cinema and you go, what the fuck? Mm. <laughs> you just, mm. oof, yeah. I've seen something and felt something for the last three hours or two and a half hours, which has changed my view yeah. of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I absolutely loved it it's by far the best war film that i've ever watched it's up there with one of the best films that i've ever watched like i said the only thing that took just a bit out of it for me was that the, is the, the french because it because it made me tired jack and you sat and yeah, watched yeah, that yeah. film no, with no, me no. I, I completely get it i completely yeah. get it but the fact that i was so engrossed in that film and was enjoying it and i didn't feel at all like I was being forced to watch a three-hour film, like sometimes I have done, but I, just that French bit took it out of me, and then it kind of ruined the ending for me a little bit. Yeah. But the madness of a film, and to imagine, like it's the sort of thing you'd say to your mates in the pub. I've got this idea for a film, and it's bang, and it's bang, and it's bang, and it's this, and there's tigers, and then there's dancers, and then there's like, and it just seems so far away from the truth but seeing it on a film you it feels so close to the truth yeah and yeah it, it just it i really really enjoyed it and yeah it, it's it is one of the best films i've ever watched 9.5 well i mean you've just you've just shit out there one of the best films i've ever watched <laughs> 9.5 it is literally it is it's that dream sequence bit well i bet we didn't think this ben that colson would come in with a bigger rating than me and oh no i genuinely thought you'd fucking hate it jack said an hour in jack was like what do you think and i was like no i i, I like it like I, I really like it. like i text one of my mates last night and was like You'll, you'll like this film sort of thing. Like No, I thought you'd fucking hate it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 27.8. 27.8. Big. Big. Almost as big as the next segment. Well. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Jack's hidden gem of the week. I'm sticking with the format of um, War, basically. And it's a, it's a documentary. Oscar winning documentary. Yeah. Ben's seen it. I think you put me onto this, Ben. The Act of Killing. Yeah. It's about, basically, the executioner in Indonesia who is responsible for genocide murders of over a million people. Oh, yeah. And they're basically interviewing him and asking him to sort of reenact the sort of killings and to sort of see if he has any empathy or any sort of emotion with the things that he has done i mean he's sort of glorified in the country as a hero for what he's done and it is a fascinating watch it won the oscar and uh critically acclaim everywhere and if you can find it i think it's on amazon um it's called the act of killing it really really is a special piece of filmmaking from the actual people that were there. And it's about an hour and a half, big, big documentary. So I just thought it was, it tied in nicely with Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And that's Jack's hidden gem of the week, the act of killing. On a more cheery note. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> shall, we, um, shall we talk about what we're watching next week? 
Yes. So it went out to the audience. It's that time where the audience at home get to pick what they want us to watch. So we went to a semi-final, two semi-finals, as always. And the first semi-final was Ghostbusters. Yes. Versus With Nail and I. I've never heard of With Nail and I. Comedy. Funny. Well, we're not watching that because Ghostbusters won by over 2,000 votes. Well, you know, Ghostbusters, brilliant film. I mean, you can't deny it. It's a cult classic. Zool. Yes. Yeah. The other... It's a cult... And actually, sometimes what you what you want to get in the vote is uh, enough films from enough pe- you know people from our audience to go, oh, I like that, and have yeah. at least have a go at voting for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other semi-final was Shutter Island versus... The Commitments. I love The Commitments. Good film. Shitter Island. Shitter Island. Shutter Island oh. won by a thousand. Oh. <laughs> so the final is Ghostbusters versus Shutter Island. And the winner is mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Hello! Ghostbusters! <laughs> Have you seen it, Coles? Yeah, a long, long time ago. Maybe not all of it, but I, I, I know about it, obviously. Mr. Marshmallow Man. There was a computer game, Ghostbusters computer game, where you had to get the a- aliens into your sucker and then take it the off. The aliens? The, whatever, what the they ghosts. call those. The go- <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going to call? Not me. Because I'm going to be looking for fucking aliens when you bring up about ghosts. <laughs> oh, great. Good. Good. Great. Brilliant. So next week, we're watching Ghostbusters. So make sure you join us here on Thursday to find out what we loved, hated, and rated of the film. And don't forget, you can join us on Monday for Sofa Cinema Club Extra Terrestrial, where we're telling you guys at home what is available to watch on Terrestrial TV this week. Until then, good night, God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.